I just want to talk to you just for a few minutes about uh, a couple of scriptures in, the, in this Christmas story. One is uh, from Galatians 4, 4. The Bible says that when the time had fully come, that means when God saw that the time was right, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And then Luke 2, 7 tells us she brought forth, meaning Mary, her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I've been thinking a little bit about uh, this whole story. You know, we saw it demonstrated today. We see it in different settings, nativity scenes that are all over around us during the decorations, Mary and Joseph watching over Jesus as he sleeps in this clean wooden feeding trough. Uh, I needed a new manger because of some stuff we were doing for Man Church, and so I started looking for them online, and I found one. Uh, when I started looking, I found a bunch of plastic kid ones, you know, uh, all of those. That wasn't what I needed. So I went to the agriculture area, and they had one. This one is designed for um, feeding deer, I guess, in a hunting or whatever. That doesn't sound quite fair, but I guess they put, uh, they put, the, put some... Uh, feed in here, and so this is a this is a manger. I bought it online at um, Amazon. Who knew? Um, this is a pretty clean, nice-looking manger, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's pretty nice. That's kind of how we maybe maybe that's how we see it. Um, you know, it, uh, but you know the truth is that mangers and nativity scenes are actually pretty dangerous in our society now. I mean, you can't even put them on government property. Somebody sue you or, or get, a, get offended. Um, you know, we think about Bethlehem, and we think it was peaceful and clean, and everything was, everything was great, but we, we recognize that it, it wasn't quite like that. So I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit this morning because, you know, the fact is that the Son of God came from heaven to earth and is born in a stable and laid in a manger because there was no room for him in the end, we hear that often and we take it for granted. Uh, so let's think about it a little bit. What's, what's kind of wrong with this picture and why does God allow this and what do, what do we learn from it? Because certainly Jesus being laid in a manger is not an accident. It happened uh, as a message from God to our hearts. What's wrong with this picture? The answer is simple. Jesus doesn't belong there. Uh, he's the son of God from heaven. He didn't deserve to be treated like a, a vagrant or a criminal. He deserves the best that the world has to offer. He comes from heaven to earth, and he ends up in a stable, in a manger. I mean, how can that be? I mean, we could press the point even a little further. God, you know, maybe could have made it better. You know, God could do anything, so if God wanted it to be different, it would have been different. He would have had him born wherever he chose. You know, when you think about Bethlehem, um, if you're visiting Bethlehem today, it's a fairly large, bustling Arab town about six miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, you reach Bethlehem by traveling through Jer from Jerusalem on this wide, paved road. I mean, the situation in that part of the world is tense most of the time now. Uh, but Bethlehem in Jesus' day would have been a small, tiny Jewish village. One writer called it a hamlet which means a quaint little village, a few shepherds, a, a few farmers, a few merchants. Bethlehem meant
that house of bread. So one of the things that they did to, to make money and for their economy was to bake bread and then take it into Jerusalem uh, so it could be sold there. So it's a, it's a small little place. Um, the Bible notes that it's known because it was David's hometown. You know, what we learn about Bethlehem is that there was a man named Caesar Augustus who was the Roman, uh, the leader of the Roman Empire at that time, and he decreed that there would be a census taken so that taxes could be collected all over the empire. And the census required that all the Jewish males would have to go back to their ancestors' hometown. So for Joseph, that meant as a part of the line of David, he had to go back to Bethlehem. You know, it just so happened that Mary was in the final stages of her pregnancy. And it just so happened that God arranged the emperor to decree at the right moment at the right time. And it just so happened that Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem exactly where the prophet Micah said that Jesus would be born. I mean, it just so happened that way. No, God ordained it. God planned it. And they didn't, they didn't stay. You know, we think about the Holiday Inn. You know, in American culture, we kind of get wrapped up in there's no room in the inn, like the Holiday Inn or the Hampton Inn or the Quality Inn or the Hilton or whatever. You know, there, there, are no, uh, there were no buildings, any, uh, any nice hotel buildings in Bethlehem uh, at this time. You know, we think about going down and, you know, staying at the Holiday Inn, and they got a Coke machine on every floor, and, you know, they might have a hot tub, and, you know, they got hot showers and cable TV and data ports in the phone. I mean, if the ice machine broke down, that's a terrible, I mean, that's just terrible. <laughs> I mean, we, we have to get all that notion out of our head. You know, an inn was simply a, a building where somebody could rest for the night. Uh, probably the most notable inn um, would have been maybe the Good Samaritan, where the the man took the, the Good Samaritan took the the man that was injured to an inn. Uh, that word meant a, a, a larger building uh, that could maybe house several uh, people. The word that Luke uses here to describe the inn was probably just like a couple of guest rooms. Uh, that would have would have been available. Maybe they would have been packed in uh, there with a, a place for the animals right outside, uh, probably just a cave where they could make sure the animals didn't get, you know, wandering around during the night. Uh, so that's what we're talking about here. Why were they turned away? They were turned away because they were probably full that night. I mean, we don't know. Uh, maybe a lot of people there for the same reason that they're there. Perhaps they were poor. They couldn't pay. Perhaps the innkeeper, seeing that she was pregnant, didn't want to have anything to do with that. The truth is, we don't know anything except there was no room. Everything else is just speculation. So that brings us back to the point here. Maybe Jesus deserved better. And that leads to the second question. Not what's wrong here, but why does God allow it? Maybe even more, why does God ordain it for Christ to end up in a, in a manger not nearly as clean and nice as this one we have here today? Uh, I mean, you look at Mary and Joseph, they're compelled to go to Bethlehem. Uh, Mary's in the late stages of, of her pregnancy. Um, Bethlehem, it would have been a difficult journey. It would have been a long way. You know, most of the time they have... Mary on a donkey, but we don't even know that for sure. It doesn't say that. We just kind of want to be compassionate toward her. But, you know, the truth is, even if it was today, she'd still be walking. Yeah, I mean, she might want to take it taken Southwest or United or American, but if she's 35 weeks pregnant, she had to have a note from her doctor 
within the last three days to go. And if it's much later than that, they'd have turned her way at the gate. I mean, she'd still been walking if she was as pregnant as that. So they arrive at Bethlehem, turned away from the inn, this baby to be born in a stable outside in the cold with animals nearby, no privacy, no sanitation, no protection from the elements. I mean, why would God send his son to be born like that? I mean, first of all, we can see that Christ was born to show his humility, his even humiliation. I mean, would it have been fitting for him to be born as a king in a royal robe if he ends up dying naked on a cross? The answer is no. It would not have been fitting for Jesus to be born like that. Nothing is more fitting in this manger for Christ to be born because he laid aside his glory and took the form of a servant just for you. Another thing I noted about this was that Jesus was born like this because he's the king of the poor. He's the king of the poor. The poor and outcasts knew Jesus was one of them because of the way he came into the world. I mean, in the eyes of the poor, he, uh, he's a part of, of them. He, re- you know, he recognized that he, w- he didn't just come for the rich and for the wealthy. We recognize the poor of the earth that know that in Jesus they have a friend who cares about them. Haven't you felt poor at some time in your life? Maybe you don't feel very poor today, but whatever you've done, whatever you've been, whatever's happened in your life, Jesus Christ made it possible for you to come to him. He wanted to make it possible that you could come to a major and see the baby Jesus. Third, uh, he was born like this in order that the humble might feel invited. I mean, in this manner of birth that we celebrate at Christmas, turned away from the end, born in a stable, it's like an invitation to the rejected, to the abused, to the mistreated, to the forgotten, to the overlooked, to come to him for salvation. You know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about being here today. I don't know how you feel about uh, Christ, and the, but I want you to know he welcomes you. You could say, well, not me, but he welcomes you, regardless of what has happened. In your past, he welcomes us. I mean, if Jesus is born in Paris or Beverly Hills, only the rich and famous would think they could come to him. But he's born in a stable. He's born outside. He's one of the outsiders. You know, there's a lot more people that feel outside than feel inside in the world that we live in. Jesus came so that whether you whether you've felt cared for, uplifted by the world, you have a kinship with Jesus even if you feel like an outsider. Being laid in a manger proved that he came uh, for us. He gave himself uh, to us. This baby lying there uh, could have been forgotten. He's exposed, but he's a sign. He's a symbol. The Bible says, Philippians 2, 7, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I mean, nothing about the baby Jesus was supernatural. There was no halo. There's no angels visible. There are no choir singing. All the choir sang to the shepherds. They saw the angels. But in that little, in that little stable, we're not told anything. I mean, if you had been there and you had no other information, you would have concluded that this baby born to the poor young couple that was down on their luck, nothing about these outward circumstances pointed to God, yet all of it. Every part of it, every single solitary random detail was planned by the Father in advance. To our unseeing eye, nothing looks less like God. 
But when you have a recognition in your heart, you understand that God's fingerprints are everywhere. Isn't that still the way it is? That his fingerprints are all over your life, whether, whether you have received that or not. But if you're a Christian, don't you see that? Don't you feel that? That his hand is everywhere on you. Even if you never accepted him, he loves you. He knows. He cares. He's involved uh, in your life. So we see this baby giving birth in a stable, uh, recognizing uh, what he had done for us. Uh, what do we learn from all this? Uh, if we stand back and consider this one aspect of the Christmas story, some amazing truths come about. We learn about God. We learn about our world. We learn about Jesus. We learn something uh, about uh, ourselves. Uh, what do we learn? Uh, we learn that God uses difficult circumstances that make no sense sometimes in order to accomplish his purposes uh, around us. You know, giving birth in a stable tested their faith. Certainly, it made no sense at the time. Mary and Joseph, no matter how devout they were, simply could not have foreseen how this negative in situation, this turn of events, would be part of God's plan to bring his son into the world. I'm sure they believed. They trusted what the angels had said to them. Uh, but they didn't have any idea what was coming forward. Uh, you know, sometimes we have negative situations. And we have to trust what we know because a lot of times we don't know what's around the corner, what's coming next. But we know that God is good. We know that God is just and merciful. We know that our ways are not his ways. He makes no mistakes, and he does according to his will. So we take great comfort in that, don't we? When we get negative phone calls or medical problems or situations with our children or circumstances that come against us, we have to trust that God knows what he's doing. God is in control of everything. Nothing is wasted. That was true for Mary and Joseph. That is true for all of us as we turn to him. Secondly, we learn that the world had no room for Christ. The world had no room for Christ then, and it has no room for Christ now. John 1.11 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus came to his people. Jesus came home, and they wouldn't take him. He came to the people that should have known him best, and they wanted nothing to do with him. They should have known him better. They knew that he was coming. God had told them in the Bible over and over uh, that he was coming. The world had no room for him, and the world has no room for him now. We are his messengers. We are his people. We are celebrating who he is and why he came. Third, we learn that his humiliation started early and continued to the very end. He was born outside because they wouldn't let Mary and Joseph come in. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He owned very little clothes on his back. When he was crucified, the soldiers gambled for his robe. When he died, they buried him in a borrowed tomb. Jesus is more than a man. He's the Son of God, but he's not any less human either. He's fully human. Our Savior's birth pictures the whole course of his life. He was an outsider in every sense, an outsider in this earth. He was born outside the inn. He died outside uh, the walls. You know, one of the things I noticed was uh, how that as his followers, that we share in that same experience. We live for him. 
We suffer with him. We die with him. We reign with him. I mean, what happens to Jesus happens to his followers sooner or later. When I was reading this verse, Luke 2, 7, that I read earlier for you, sometimes I like to think, I think in my mind, I think it says that they turned him away, the innkeeper turns him away, because there was no room for him in the inn. Well, that's not what it says. It says there was no room for them. Mary and Joseph were kept away. I mean, the innkeeper had no idea uh, who, the, who this baby was. But because uh, you know, he, didn't, he didn't recognize them, but there would be no room for them. The inn was uh, recognized. They didn't recognize who Jesus was or why he had come. Because there's no room in the inn, it's a, it's a call for us. The world has no room for Jesus. The question is, do you have room for Jesus? Is your heart open and receptive to him? A little play similar to one here was going on in a church one time. It was the yearly Christmas play by the little kids. The night came, and they were going to do it on a, on a Saturday night. And the girls were all dressed up like angels, and the boys were shepherds and wise men. Uh, the little girls were giggling while it was going on or poking one another with the staff. And um, they, uh, the, the little boy that was playing the innkeeper, he just had one line like some of the kids here. And so they had a, they had a little doorway, and Joseph knocks on the door. Um, and the young boy opens the door, and he sees Joseph, and he sees Mary, and she's pregnant there. And so um, he, he, he's, he's just mesmerized by the moment. He forgets everybody is there. And uh, the lady says, See, no room in the inn. And so he's prompted. He kind of wakes up and he's startled and he says, There's no room. There's no room left in this inn. And then he added, But you can share my room. You know, some people probably thought it was ruined, but it's probably the best line ever, right? I have room for him. He told the director later, he said, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't turn Jesus away. I mean, we had to find a place for him. There's no room for Jesus that night in Bethlehem. Have you made room? For Christ have you gotten all wrapped up in the busyness will this month be all wrapped up in the kind of the same old stuff or will you make more room for Christ you don't have to go out and buy a manger uh, I kind of like this one but he, he doesn't want to be born in a manger he wants to be born in me he wants to be born in my heart you know even as an infant being laid in a manger he was the sinner's friend. He's the one that says, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all of you that are broken in spirit. Come to me, uh, all you that are heavy and broken and heavy laden. Bow the knee. Come to the Son of God. You know, he welcomes us all to come to the manger. You know, this, this story is, um, is incredible. It's amazing what Christ has done for us. Uh, I, it, it makes you just want to say hallelujah, Merry Christmas, celebrate him. And one of my favorite Christmas songs uh, lately uh, has been this song called Christmas Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We had a baby dedication in the 9 o'clock service, and I didn't sing this song. So don't get me in trouble now. <laughs> I'm going to sing it in this service because I want you thinking about Christ. Uh, I'll probably make it up to him next Sunday at 9 o'clock. So uh, but this song uh, says so much about 
what we are trying to celebrate here. It expresses hallelujah to Christ. So um, I'm going to sing this for you. You're welcome to sing along. You know it. The words will be on the screen. But um, the most important thing is for us to, to make room for Christ, to allow him to be ev- everything about this season to be wrapped around him. Uh, Christmas, hallelujah. heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy and I just want to sing this song to you it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall and the major lift with every breath I'm singing hallelujah child they searched the end to find a place for you were coming soon there was no room for them to stay so in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born oh Just as the angel said, you'll find him in a manger bed. Rescue me, 
This baby boy would grow to be a man and one day die for me and you. My sins would drive the nails in you. That rugged cross was my cross too. Still every breath you drew was hallelujah. 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 bow together. You can remain standing. That'd be great. Heavenly Father, we don't want to be those people that made no room for you. We humble ourselves before you, before a, a manger. That's nothing like yours. <laughs> it's all clean and nice. You came and you gave yourself for me. You gave yourself for every person that's in this room right now. Hallelujah. Thank you. If you're in this room today and you know about Christ, you know what Christmas is, but you really never made room for him to be your Savior. Never really repented of your sins or things that have separated you from God. Today I invite you to make room for Jesus. Welcome him into your life. Welcome him as the Savior. You can't save yourself. Your mama, your grandmama, your, your, somebody you really love or respect. They're not going to be able to save you. Only Jesus. That's why Christmas is so important. God sent his son for you and me. Today, Lord, we make room for Christ. We want to make room for him throughout the season. But when I say make room, I'm not just talking about finding a spot to put your latest nativity. Not just... Um, you know, praying a prayer at a mealtime or celebrating with gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Lord, we're talking about opening our soul to the Savior God. Lord, I pray that all of those in this room that know Christ as Savior, today we thank you. Many stood up here because of the hallelujah of Christmas. 
But if there's somebody or a few in this room right now that haven't made that decision, Lord, we ask you to bless them, encourage them, meet them right where they are. I can't save them. Nobody else can, only you. I pray that when we look at the manger and we see the Christmas decorations and the plays and all that we do, we pray that we would, we would come to the place that we would say, Christ was not only born one day, he's born in me. All praise to you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' great, holy, awesome name, we pray together. Amen.